The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. When a young man gets stood up on a date, he hops on his motorcycle and sadly heads back home. Little does he know he's not going to reach home. He's going to become a soldier on an intergalactic battlefield. And then we take a look at a true story. We take a look at a story that actually happened and isn't made up by some lunatic. It's the story of a young man fighting in a very real war. The war in Afghanistan. A young man and his squad is on patrol in Afghanistan when they fall prey to a Taliban ambush. When the bullets start firing and the explosives start going off, an unknown ally will show up. An ally that may lie inside all of us. Today on Dead Rabbit Radio. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Dead Rabbit Radio. I'm your host, Jason Carpenter. I'm having a great day. I hope you guys are having a great day too. I hope you guys had a fun weekend. We got a lot of stuff to cover today, so let's go ahead and invite in today's show supporter walking into Dead Rabbit Command, doing a little march like a little nutcracker soldier. It's St. James. Woo, yeah, come on in, dude. St. James is walking around. We're like, okay, you can knock it off. You can stop walking like a nutcracker. St. James, he was one of our live stream contributors for our Christmas episode last year, and he asked specifically, can I be in a military-themed episode? And here we go! I hope you guys brought your flak jackets and your little helmets, and I hope you guys are fully armed and ready for war. We are leaving behind Dead Rabbit Command. We're jumping right in... Do we have a tank? We're jumping right inside the... Oh, whatever. What's coming inside the Jason Jalopy? There's no armor on it or whatever. You're like, ah, it's super scary. St. James, take us out of Dead Rabbit Command. There's bullets coming from every direction. We're leaving behind Dead Rabbit Command. We're headed all the way out to England. I figured for Memorial Day. People always want themed episodes. I don't know why you ask so much of me. I don't know why you guys ask me to do a particular content on a given day. And usually I forget. Usually it's like Santa Claus has already given me my gifts. And I was like, oh, I was supposed to do a Christmas episode. But Memorial Day, I remembered 10 minutes ago. So I quickly found some stories that I had floating around in my to-do folder. These are really good ones. These aren't like leftovers or anything like that. I really want to do these, but we get them to do them on Memorial Day. That makes them extra awesome. And the first veteran we're going to meet is a man who was introduced to me by one of our regular contributors to Dead Rabbit Radio, longtime listener of the show, Alexandra Watts. She recently sent me the saga of a man, no, a hero known as Russ Kellett. Nowadays, he's 58 years old, and he's living in the town of Philly in North Yorks. But he wasn't always 58 years old. Did you know that? Did you know people's age changes every year? This is the saga of Russ Kellett. 30 years ago, he's 28 years old. 
and he's at a bar or a public house. He said he was at a public house. I'm assuming that's like a British term for a bar, or maybe he was at a house that everyone lived in. I don't know. Didn't research that. <laughs> what didn't sound spooky? So I didn't bother researching that. He's at a public house and he's supposed to meet somebody. And they stand him up. They never show up. So he's sitting there either drinking a drink at a bar at a pub or he's lounging in someone's house. And they're like, this isn't one of the public houses, dude. This is a private house. And they're chasing him off with a broom. Either way, Russ Cullet is sad. He's sad. This person he was supposed to meet to either do breaking and enterings or have a drink with didn't show up. So he gets on his motorcycle, revs it all sadly and stuff. He's driving his motorcycle home. Teardrops streaming down his face. He has his motorcycle helmet on so no one can see how sad he is. And also to protect his brain from serious injury. When he sees a tunnel up ahead and he's like, blimey, mate, I've never seen such a tunnel before. In fact, there should be no tunnel on this road. But he goes through it anyways, because if you're ever driving home and you find a mysterious portal, just go through it. He goes through the tunnel, and instead of the other side being more of England so he could drive home, he drives into a room he can only describe as like a dentist's office. So comes to a stop on his motorcycle. He's like, whoa. And there's like a chair there. And there's a bunch of, like, medical tools and stuff like that. And he's like, oh, man, that's not supposed to be through the tunnel. And then he sees what... I'll, I'm going to put all my cards on the table right now if you guys haven't been able to tell. I think he's making all of this up. This guy has been in the game for 30 years. Russ Kellett, if you're listening to this and you're excited to hear your story, you're like, oh, it's going to be awesome. I think he's making all of it up. I think he's totally making all of it up. And I'll go through why, but here's a good starting point because otherwise you'd probably shut off the podcast if I said this sincerely. You'd be like, Jason, this guy's clearly making it up and you're falling for it. He drives his motorcycle into a dentist office and then sees what he describes as, quote, 15 foot tall alien men that look very much like Dracula. And you go, Jason, maybe aliens are... May, that would make sense, right? There's stories of aliens sucking loose out of people or aliens being some sort of parasitic being. Maybe aliens do look like Dracula. Let me ask you this. If I told you I walked into a room... Forget the 15-foot tall. If I told you I walked in a room and there was someone who looked like Dracula, what do you imagine? Like, what's the first thing you would think of when you would think of Dracula? Or just a vampire in general, right? He let me finish his quote now. So you have that image in your head. He drives into this dentist's office and he's surrounded by 15 foot tall alien men that look very much like Dracula without the sharp teeth. What? That's that's the number one thing associated with Dracula. That'd be like saying, Oh, he's running through the woods and I got abducted by this guy who looked just like Bigfoot. But he wasn't big, he wasn't hairy, he had normal-sized feet, and he was wearing an outfit of a park ranger. But it was Bigfoot! So I don't, I, did he pull, I'm imagining then, was it aliens wearing, like, really bad Dracula costumes from, like, Party City with, like, the plastic medallion and the red cape? But even then, as I'm describing it, I still keep thinking of their fake teeth! They don't have sharp teeth. It's just 15-foot-tall guys in there, I guess they're wearing capes with little medallions? Anyways, so they grab him and they pump a liquid, a thick liquid down his throat. And he's like, no, no. uh, uh, uh." 
and then he's a super soldier. This is this is truly a Memorial Day episode. What would a Memorial Day episode be without a super soldier story? These 15-foot-tall Dracula rejects with no teeth give him this liquid, and he becomes a super soldier. And then they're like, they don't give him any instructions. Well, as far as he quote-unquote remembers, he conveniently keeps forgetting stuff. People are always... This guy's a master of publicity. Whenever he says something, there's like 10 different articles about this. Because when I tried looking more into this guy, I had to put like Google filters to only search specific time ranges. If you type in Russ Kellett aliens, you'll get 10 articles that were just published like two weeks ago. So I had to like I had to go and really figure out who this guy was. <laughs> I was sure that this guy was really a super soldier. Imagine my disappointment that this story turned out to most likely be not true. He says they pumped me full of liquid, and the next thing I know, I was in like this hangar area, and there was like these spaceships there, and we're like walking onto the spaceship, and I turn around. And I'm like, where am I? What? what where's? Where am I? Because <laughs> that's what you do, right? When you're being forced onto a spaceship, the first thing you want to do is see what's behind you. There's a spaceship in front of you. He's walking up the spaceship. He's like, oh, that's lame. He turns around and standing behind him, or depending on the story, he's told multiple versions of the story. I guess sometimes he's behind him. Sometimes he sees this guy from like the next ship over or whatever. <laughs> he's looking through a porthole and he sees the other ship fly by. He turns around and... He sees Robbie Williams standing there. <laughs> Not Robin Williams, which would have been far more entertaining. Robbie Williams. He is a British. He was like, he's basically like the 90s equivalent of Harry Styles. He was like in a British boy band called Take That or Take Two or something like that. And then um, he became his own dude. He broke off from the mold. They are all conjoined quintuplets. He sawed his way away from them one night and became Robbie Williams. And he had a couple hits in America. I think he's still a real big deal in Britain. And he goes, I, I know you. You're that boy bander guy. And the aliens are like, eyes ahead, eyes ahead. And, and he's like, okay, I'll look ahead of this massive starship that I've never seen before. I've seen Robbie Williams before. Seen him on the telly. I've never seen a spaceship before, but for some reason I find this dude way more interesting. And then he spent the next 30 years on and off fighting an intergalactic war versus the Dragos. These are reptilian creatures. Now, I know what you're asking. Why would a 15-foot-tall alien race need to get a bunch of 5-foot-8 people to fight giant lizards? He doesn't answer that question either. But he goes and he fights these wars. Now, these wars aren't just in other star systems, although he does say that. And if you ask him, whoa, where did you fight? And he goes... I don't remember that. He has no details about anything that you'd really want to know. But he does remember, apparently, he fought in Europe and the UK and South America. Boring. <laughs> Real people do that. Real people fight there. Tell us about the space wars. He doesn't remember those, though. He says that time is different when you're in a spaceship, which is probably true, right? Einstein's theory of relativity. If you're ever abducted by 15-foot-tall Dracula knockoffs, time will be different. That was Einstein's theory. He said that when you're fighting these Dragos, when you're in space or whatever, four hours on Earth is four years up there. Okay, I'll, I'll actually accept that as possible. We've talked about lost time and how that works and... Just time, the way time works in general is weird. Fine, I'll accept that. He then, though, uses... He actually says that he does this. 
he he's at work. He does have a day job. <laughs> Who would hire this guy? His resume must be hilarious. He has references. He's like 15 foot tall alien. You're like, can I call him? And he's like, I don't remember the guy's number. But he exists. He says that I guess a lot of times his boss and coworkers would be like, hey, Russ, why are you so tired all the time? How come you're always just like, uh, falling asleep on the machinery and stuff like that? And he'd be like, well, this might sound unbelievable because it is, because I've clearly made this up. But in space, four years go by, but on Earth, only four hours go by. So that's why I'm tired all the time, because I'm constantly fighting space wars, which begs the question there's <laughs> obviously a bunch of questions about this why would you even bother having an earth job how come they're not paying him space money <sighs> anyways his his whole thing is that's why i'm tired at work all the time because i spent the last four years fighting it's only been four hours to you but well, first off this dude would look like he was the oldest man alive secondly i would say i'm sure okay let's let me assume that I'm an idiot. <laughs> I believe your story. Are you telling me in those four years you never slept either? Like, you would get a good night's sleep over the course of four years. Right? You get to sleep. You get to rest. It's not like he's awake for four years, I'm assuming. That's not an excuse I would take as your boss. I'm just saying, Russ, if you ever try to get a job with me, I will not accept that as an excuse. That you were fighting a space war. He has... He's, a, he's actually written uh, two books that I could find. One is a classic, a UFO classic, called Russell Kellett is E.T. Writer. And it's the story I just told you. <laughs> Basically just saved you 20 bucks. He gets on the motorcycle, he drives, he starts fighting space war. I was looking through the table of contents, and it did, did seem like it was a pretty intense book. I might, I reluctantly put it on my Amazon wish list because of these, the, the story, that story itself is pretty super soldier by the book nonsense but i am curious about these particular chapters uh and i have to be honest there's a couple of you people who might be scratching your head right now and say i think we've heard this guy before i have a vague inkling that i've covered this guy before we might have mentioned him in passing because he wrote this book and these chapters these chapter titles definitely sound familiar um one of them is the monster in the cemetery that's not alien right i'd like to hear about watch it's just some stupid alien monster in the cemetery um, the Three Nuns is the name of a chapter. That sounds interesting, right? And then, well, let me, let me back up. More interesting than this. I want to see what happens with the Three Nuns. Are they alien nuns? Are they sexy nuns? Are they nun ghosts? Who knows? Maybe the Three Nuns are the people who stood them up at the bar. He's still writing about that in this book, An Intergalactic Conquest. He's like, why didn't they go? Why didn't they show up? And then the Ninja. Like, that does sound evocative, right? A super soldier fighting a ninja now it would only be a cool chapter if it was a real super soldier which we know russell Rus russell kellett isn't versus a real ninja i would also be willing though to watch someone who thought they were a super soldier versus versus a real ninja i'm either or on that real super soldier first real ninja or fake super soldier first real ninja i'm totally down you guys are thinking jason how can you be saying that this stuff's fake you're constantly just pulling weird stuff off the internet and you're right, right? Like, I pull something off the internet and someone said they saw a phantom hand peeking around the corner and you don't go as hard on that. That's true. That's true. And I got to give Russ Kellett, he does have a little bit of proof. He does have a little bit of proof. Because if you read the Daily Star, which I highly suggest you don't, 
It's a tabloid. It's entertaining, but there, nothing is ever true in there. And considering this is the first place I saw Russ Kellett, that should say something. They do show that Russ Kellett has proof. This is actually a quote from the Daily Star article. Because you want proof, right? I want proof. Here's a quote from the Daily Star. Quote, the author, meaning Russ Kellett, uh, the author has produced drawings to support his claims. Unquote. It's just sketches, right? If that was if that was the way we did things, everyone would the first class you would take in school would be art. And people would just be drawing pictures of themselves as presidents, and they would just be going like walking to a baseball game. And they're like, sir, sir, you can't come in here. You hold up a, a drawing of yourself as a little stick figure in the White House, and they're like, sorry, sir, we did not know. We did not know you the president. And there's another reason why I wanted to highlight this guy. And Alexander, I had a lot of fun reading about this guy. Thanks for sending this over. It made me make a connection. I think we'll touch on this in a future episode as well. But I'd like to throw my theory out to you. It's not even a theory. It's a question. Why is the conspiracy theory community obsessed with celebrities? It's It's super bizarre. The conspiracy theory community, I watched and read more about the Masonic meaning behind Will Smith's smap of Chris Rock than I was of legit conspiracy content over the past like month, month or two. Conspiracy theorists love celebrities. They are obsessed with them. And I don't know what it is. I don't know. There's whole websites like Vigilant Citizen that is based on, look at this photo of the, I'm going to write a thousand words about this photo of someone covering up their eyeball in a photo. It's weird. And, And Russ Kellett is a huge reminder of that. During COVID lockdowns, he got on the media. He's really good at getting his name out in the newspaper. He sent out a bunch of press releases. I think because he's such a goofball. And he probably does interviews all the time. And they're so wacky. Like 10 other newspapers pick it up. He was trying to get celebrities to visit him so they could look at UFOs. And every time a celebrity like in the news would be like, oh, you know, when I was a kid, I saw a light in the sky. Couldn't explain it. Because, you know, a lot of times celebrities doing an interview and they answer the same hundred questions all the time. And a good interviewer will toss an oddball question out every once in a while. You ask Ariana Grande, do you believe in ghosts? She'll tell you some insane story. We did an episode on that. I'll put it in the show notes. So a good interviewer will look for those weird questions, right? And so every so often, some British actor, actress, or singer, or whatever, be like, oh, yeah, I do kind of believe in aliens. When I was a kid, once this alien walked through my bedroom and pumped me full of this liquid, and I was a secret soldier. And I was standing in line, and I saw this guy in front of me, and I swear it was Russ Kellett. Whenever someone in the media would say, or a famous person, not one of us normals, right? A famous person would say they saw an alien, he would contact them. Well, he would try, let me rephrase that, he would try to contact them. All of his intergalactic powers don't help him to get past bodyguards. He would try to contact them and invite them. And during the COVID lockdowns, you know, when everyone was afraid because they didn't want to be around anyone else, he said, come, in, come and hang out with me, this total stranger. We can hang out for a couple of nights and make contact. Not not between you and me, not between you and me, but hey, if love, if sparks start flying, sparks start flying. What I find so just so disingenuous about that, right? There are other people of your in your interest group, and they want to hang out with you, Russ, but you don't want to hang out with them because they're not famous. It's so he specifically was only inviting celebrities to hang out with him. 
that type of stuff, it's, it's lame. I don't get that. I don't understand that. I don't understand it because there's a lot. Of, imagine that if I said only celebrities could listen to this podcast. It'd be like, what? It'd be insane. And then imagine if I said, oh, you want to do a meetup? You want to meet me in real life? How, how famous are you? Just invite them out. There's a bunch of people who share your passion, Russ. You might run into some old veterans of the Super Soldier War. Conspiracy theorists, and this guy would classify that, he's more of the paranormal conspiracy theorist, but they're obsessed with celebrity, and I don't know if it's because they're obsessed with fame themselves. I, I, I've always had a theory that a lot of hardcore conspiracy theorists are failed artists themselves. I know when I was really trying to make it as a writer, when I was writing screenplays and books and stuff like that, that was the height of me 100% believing in conspiracy theories. And I remember a long time ago, I was listening to Mark Marin, his WTF podcast. And he is a, I've talked about this several times on the show, but one more time, he's one of the biggest podcasters, if not the second biggest, you know, Joe Rogan would be the first, but his career, he was gotten to drugs and alcohol. He was a stand-up comedian through the eighties. His career never took off before his podcast. And I remember on one episode of his podcast, he goes at my lowest point when my career wasn't going anywhere. I started to think, is the Illuminati real? Is this a real group? Like, why aren't I making it? I have the talent. I have even some of the connections. How come I can't get my break? And I wonder if there's a connection between trying to be an artist and failing and going, well, it's surely not me. It must be this group that controls the world. I wonder if that's part of it. I wonder if it's an obsession with being famous yourself. And so you want to latch on to other people. I find it fascinating. Conspiracy theory. There was so much about that Will Smith slap. that I was on break when that happened. That's why you didn't get bombarded with that stuff. But yeah, obsessed with fame. And that's where I put Russ Keller. So I love this story. I was able to talk about my own weird conspiracy theory that conspiracy theorists are more obsessed with fame than your aunt who buys National Enquirer magazine every single day. Uh, they're more obsessed with that. We got Super Soldier in here for Memorial Day. We got a soldier, a real-life soldier. I love this story. So, Alexandra, thanks for sending it over. I don't think any of it's true, but it was definitely fascinating to talk about it. Nonetheless, and it's a perfect mirror for this story that we're we're going to talk about. Now, it's funny because this same this story also only has one source. It was posted anonymously online. So why do I believe this story more than Russ Kellett's story? It's funny. Sometimes I read a lot about Russ Kellett, and the more I read, the more unbelievable his story became. If Russ Kellett's story was boiled down to maybe 500 words, and I found it by an anonymous poster. I, I probably still wanted to believe it because I don't really believe in the super soldier phenomenon as is, as it's presented to us, but it probably would have carried a little more weight, right? Maybe, <laughs> maybe. I don't think I would have full on believed it. This next story though, sometimes, man, sometimes less is more. But St. James, James, St. James, I want to be on a military episode, not with that buffoon. St. James, go ahead, let's call down that carpenter copter. We're going into... A real war zone. Call in that carpenter copter. We're leaving behind England. We're headed all the way out to Afghanistan. The year is 2010. And we're in Afghanistan with a group of soldiers, U.S. soldiers, currently deployed in the Horn. That's what they call it. I looked it up. It's the Horn of Panjwai in Afghanistan. This is the birthplace of the Taliban. This was 
a place of some of the most brutal fighting, the most brutal continuous fighting from the beginning of the war all the way up until July 10th, 2021, when the Taliban totally took control of the region. But in 2010, the fight was still on and no one knew which way the war was going to go. And we're here to join a soldier. This uh, young man didn't give his name. We're going to name him Peter. And Peter was six months into his first tour of duty. And they're on dismounted patrol. So they're just kind of walking through this area. They have vehicles like riding next to them. I think it's a way so it doesn't look... It doesn't look like a bunch of mechanized vehicles. They're just kind of riding roughshod through villages. They get out of their vehicles. They kind of walk around to give a human face to the occupation, right? They want to try to win the hearts and minds. And while they're doing that, I mean, you imagine super dangerous, right? As as I understand the the meaning behind it, super dangerous. You're exposed and you're walking with your guns, right? They're not wearing khaki shorts. They don't have all their body armor off, but they're walking. They're fully armed, but it's just to give a little bit of a human presence to what's going on. They're walking alongside their vehicles, walking through this town, and then all of a sudden, right over Peter's head, he sees, I'm assuming he heard it first. I don't think he has eagle eye vision, but all of a sudden over his head, an RPG flies past. Go, no, something blew up, something blew up, Peter says, and his commanding officer is like, go that way, go away from the explosions and stuff. So Peter's like running, and all of a sudden, they're just under attack, right? The Taliban launched this RPG, they're shooting at him with rifles, and Peter's like, good, 10-6, 10-6, I got people shooting at me, and he's like talking on his radio and stuff, and all these other guys are doing the same thing, it's super chaotic, everyone's talking to the radio at the same time, the commander's like, uh, one at a time, guys! Peter takes a position, takes a firing position. He has a saw. He has that big machine gun that you often see in movies and or in your job if you're in the military. And he gets behind his saw machine gun and starts going, not just making the sound effect. He was shooting bullets out of it. And the Taliban's like, ah, and they're like running and stuff. But this isn't the end of the battle. I mean, people are just shooting at each other. People are running. Everyone's talking at once. It's total chaos. And then all of a sudden, Peter is blinded. He says that this bright flash of light washes over him. And not only is he instantly blinded, he's deaf as well. He's laying on his back. He can't see. He can't hear. Now, if that happened to you, like just walking to the store today, you'd be pretty alarmed, right? If you're walking into Walmart... And the next thing you know, you're on your back and you can't see or hear anything. You'd be alarmed. And you would think, oh no, something must have happened. Like maybe something medical or maybe I was blinded by the great deals at Walmart. But in a war zone, I mean, like Walmart, the worst thing that's going to happen to you is maybe someone will hit you with their shopping cart as you're on the ground. In a war zone, you're pretty much toast. If all of a sudden you're blind and deaf and on your back, you're not going to make it. And I, that's probably going through this dude's head as well. And what had happened was an RPG exploded right in front of him. A rocket-propelled grenade <laughs> blew him back, rendered him senseless. And he's laying there, and he's bleeding out. And he said it was so painful. The sensation of what was going on was so incredibly painful. All I wanted to do was to fall asleep. I figured if I fall asleep, won't be in pain anymore. And all of a sudden, 
As his vision is starting to return, he sees a soldier running up to him. Peter! Peter, you okay? Come on! Come on! I got you, buddy! And he is like checking him. He's like checking his wounds. His soldier's like looking at all the wounds. He's like, I got you, buddy! Get up! Come on! Get up! And Peter gets picked up by this soldier and gunfire still raging from all sides and he like gets his you know like like you see in the army movies and or again you might do this in real life if you're in the army he you know you do that army carry where the guy has his arm over your shoulder and you're kind of like dragging him or carrying him as much as you can and he's like we got to get you to the uh over here we got to get you to this place where they're not shooting at me that would be preferable right there's a medical vehicle there's, it's called like a MRAP, a mine resistant ambush protected vehicle. They left, they left the V off of the acronym. They get into this and, and this is like a place to be safe. This guy drags him to the ramp and drops him and then rejoins the firefight. The next thing that Peter remembers is he wakes up in a field hospital. He's like, oh man, what in the world happened? He's like all bandaged up and stuff. And the doctor is like, the doctor was just standing there the whole time. That's his job to dramatically stand there. So when you wake up, they can tell you everything that happened. They go, well, Peter, you, uh, you got shot at. And then this RPG went off next to you. And you got a bunch of shrapnel in you. And you were bleeding out. But we took all the shrapnel out. Well, let me rephrase that. We took most of the shrapnel out. You might have trouble going through metal detectors for a while. But you're going to be okay. It's like, oh, yeah, thanks, Doc. And then the command team comes in, and they're talking to him. And they go, hey, it's so... We won the battle, by the way. <laughs> the Taliban aren't ready to overrun this hospital. We won the battle. But they go, yeah, it's really weird. Uh, from what we understand, you were sitting there, like there was a bunch of witnesses to this, right? That RPG went off in front of you, and you fell on your back. And then you just stood up. Like, everyone was shocked, right? They thought you were toast. You're covered in blood. And you stood up, and you held your arm out. You just held your arm out in this weird position. They kind of looked like a zombie. And you staggered back to the MRAP. And Peter goes, no, 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 that's not what happened. Like, I mean, I did get back to the MRAP, but someone had saved me. And they're like, no, 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 no. No one saved you. There was an active firefight. We were going to save you eventually, but no one got you back over there. Several people saw you get up by yourself and walk over there. And Peter doesn't really know how to make sense of this, right? He doesn't know how to make sense of this. He clearly saw someone. He interacted with him. The guy was talking to him. He said one. He said the actual quote, I got you, buddy. Carried him over. A couple years later, Peter's at his grandparents' house, and they're reorganizing stuff, right? They're trying to make use of another room or just kind of get everything kind of cleaned up. And Peter's going through boxes of old photos. And he's looking through these pictures, and he sees these old family photos. And he looks at one, and he goes, that's the guy. That's the guy who saved my life in Afghanistan. He's looking at this old photo, and he, he can't figure it out. That is clearly the man who saved him in Afghanistan. And he talks to his grandpa, Mike, about it. And he goes, hey, who is this? Who's this a photo of? And grandpa Mike goes, oh, that that's Donnie. He was your great uncle. <laughs> and that's not answering any of my questions. He's in this old photograph, but he saved me in Afghanistan. He saved my life. And grandpa Mike explained, he goes, Donnie is dead. Donnie has passed away. He passed away a long time ago, uh, but he passed away a war hero. He was awarded the Bronze Star of, with Valor 
back in World War II. So Peter is told the story that his great-uncle Donnie served in the 32nd Infantry Division in Papua New Guinea. It's 1942, and him and his fellow soldiers are under heavy enemy fire. And one of Donnie's comrades gets shot. And Donnie, while he's being shot at, grabs this man and drags him out of harm's way. Gets him situated where he is safe. Donnie then stands up, takes a step to walk back towards the battlefield. Bullet slams into his chest, killing him. July 27, 1942, he passed away. And Peter's sitting there looking at this picture. He's heard this story. And he couldn't help but truly believe that his great-uncle Donnie had fought in a war long after he had already died. To save a young man he never knew. It's an interesting story. We talk a lot about guardian angels on this show. And this is this is fascinating to me. I think this is actually beyond the guardian angel phenomenon. To me, this is ancestral spirits. This is like what so many religions and cultures can be based on is this idea that we are all connected. Your bloodline is so important that it carries through generations. It carries past time. Absolutely fascinating because we have that idea of it. We have that idea of ancestral strength, that who you are is who you came from. We have a guy who died saving someone's life, and then in, in reality, in this story, he saves someone else's life. And both times, it, it ends the same way. He turns around and leaves. Now, the first time, he turned around and left permanently. He was killed. He was killed on the spot. But the second time, Peter never saw where this soldier went. He did say he did say that the soldier who saved him, it thought, he thought it was weird because he was wearing an older-style helmet. That was something he did observe when he was being helped by the soldier, but you're not gonna you're not gonna criticize his fashion choices. Your life is being saved. But I thought that was interesting. The circumstances was the same. So was it we talk a lot about ghosts and them being recordings of them reenacting events. Was this so much a thing of Donnie being this ancestral guardian of Peter coming to this time when Peter needed him the most? Was it also simply a recording? Because the event was the same. It played out the same, but it was spread across, what, 60, 70 years? So it's an interesting ghost story as well. It's a guardian angel story with the ancestral spirit to it. This one, the words, I got you, buddy, he could have said that in 1942 to this other young man and hoisted him up and dragged him back and dropped him off and then took a step and got shot. And then in the future, it plays out exactly the same. I got you, buddy. He takes him to the vehicle. He turns around and then no one saw him. No one saw him at all except for Peter. Fascinating as a ghost story. Fascinating as a story of an ancestral lineage. I also want to say this, and we'll wrap it up like this. I find it so fascinating that as a species, maybe, definitely as governments, we're constantly trying to find the newest weapons of war to fight with. We're like, okay, planes were cool and all. Let's make it jets. There we go. Jets are cool and all. Let's make a drone. 
Well, drones are cool and all, but what if drones flew themselves? What if they didn't have a human controller that could hesitate? We're always looking for the newest weapon. Maybe we should go backwards. Here, maybe we should go backwards. Hear me out. Hear me out at this thing that I just thought of. What if, instead of... Now, people are like, I'm just going to shut off the podcast, Jason. You're going to go on for five minutes about some ridiculous thing that you're going to keep adjusting because you realize how dumb it is once you say it. Hold on. Before you hit the button, before you shut it off. What if we're always trying to make the newest weapons? What if we use the old techniques? I'm not saying that we have to start running around with sticks and clubs. But what if we got our soldiers and... St. James has already left. He's like, I don't want to be here for this nonsense. You get soldiers and you go, have any of you had anyone close to you die <laughs> in a really, really action-packed way? Soldiers are like, what? And the army's like, because what we're looking for is we're going to put together a secret team of soldiers who have ancestors who died in battle. And then, because see, that way, think about it this way. Right now, if you put in a bunch of U.S. Army troopers versus a bunch of Russian dudes, right? We're fighting over Alaska. It would be us, like, shooting at each other. But if we have a special group of soldiers who, like, maybe you maybe you happen to be related to a Viking. And he got his head chopped off when he was trying to beat up a British king. So in the middle of your battle with the Russians... You like fall down, and then all of a sudden a ghost, all of a sudden a ghost shows up of a Viking guy, and he's like, "Heads up!" and he throws his head at the Russian right before he shoots you. Any other examples? Anyone else know? Is anyone else have a relative who's died in a horrific and or action packed way? Anyone blow up? Like that could be his special ability, right? He like sneaks into the enemy's camp at night, and he's like. Uh, he doesn't have he doesn't have a, a one liner. He just explodes violently. Everyone's like ah. Even if he did have a one liner, we wouldn't know because he would just blow everyone up. Yeah. What if? What if instead of spending money to do science to build vehicles that we know work, what if we didn't do that? What if we didn't do that? What if we just started like practicing like ancestral spirit magic on our soldiers? And have them call forth all of the dead people in their lives. They're like, Mom, no, not you. Mom's running in. Mom's running in. She's throwing poisonous cookies at the enemy troops. They're like, oh, their cookies are so delicious. I can't help but eat them. You obviously would have to have some requirements, right? You wouldn't want to have just regular old ghosts. Just like Casper goats floating through walls. They're like, dude, I'm a ghost. I can float through the wall. I can tell you what the general's saying. They're like, ah, that's too boring. Do you happen to have a guy who got stabbed to death? And now he has like swords come out of his hands. And he's like, heads up. And he just chops the heads off people. I don't know. The point is, is that I don't see why we don't do that. I We know that might, we know that might work, right? People have been calling on their ancestors to help them out through battle for ages. Drones have only been around for like 50, 60 years. So that is what I'm, I will, after doing this episode, I will write a letter to Congress asking for $1 billion to steady my theory. But until then, deadrabbitradio at gmail.com is going to be our email address. You can also hit us up at facebook.com slash deadrabbitradio. TikTok is at deadrabbitradio. 
Dead Rabbit Radio is the daily paranormal conspiracy and true crime podcast. You don't have to listen to it every day, but I'm glad you listened to it today. Have a great one, guys. Peace.